0: Howdy, and welcome to the 10-Week Bible Study. This is week three, day four of our study of Esther. I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and today we're talking about Esther 3, 7 through 11. Welcome back to the 10-Week Bible Study. Again, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs. Before we get started, I want to encourage you to remember to read the book of Esther 10 times in the next 10 weeks. It really can transform your life. With that, let's go ahead and pray before we start today. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God. Speak to us, fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to know you more through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. With Alice, let's God's word. We'll be reading today from the NIV. This is Esther 3, starting in verse 7. In the twelfth year of King Xerxes, in the first month, the month of Nisan, the poor that is the lot, was cast in the presence of Haman to select the day and month. And the lot fell on the 12th month, the month of Adar. So pause right here. So some time has passed now, right? So it was the third year of King Xerxes when he throws the big party and uh, Vashti makes him angry. It was several years later, a couple years later when Esther becomes queen. And now some time has passed between then and when Mordecai refuses to bow. And so it's now the 12th year of Xerxes that he that Haman is deciding to put all of the Jews to death. And so it's in the first month of the Hebrew calendar, the month of Nisan. This falls in uh, March to April. So it, this could have been taking place in the month of, of our month of April. So it's in the spring And so we cast lots and, you know, you could understand lots to be kind of like rolling dice kind of thing. Um, A lot of times it was pottery or different things that were rolled in the lap. And so they're doing this, and, and there was always an, an expectation that there would be a divine guidance in the casting of lots. The Jews did it; uh, other people, obviously, did it. Maybe only Semitic people did it, but but it was done. Obviously, here Haman is having this done, and so he's trying to select the month. He's, he's saying, "Okay, let's let's leave it up to fate. Let's leave it up to the gods to decide when the Jews die." So he's cast the the lots and basically puts it 11 months out. It's the first month of of the year, um, and the the lots cast decide that uh, Haman's going to have all of them put to death in the 12th month of the year, the month of Adar. So this is basically February to March, Mm -hmm. according to our calendar, when this is all going to take place, when when they're going to be exterminated. Verse 8, Haman said to King Xerxes, There is a certain people dispersed among the peoples in all your provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from those of all the other people, and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them, and I will give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury." Obviously, neither one of these guys was, was paying attention when Daniel was in the presence of the king of Persia. I mean, this is the same, same kind of thing that the, the other satraps and governors and, and people in charge pulled on Daniel, uh, just at a much larger scale. Their law was aimed specifically at Daniel and only Daniel. This is aimed at everyone, everyone. Now, this is interesting coming from Haman because he's an Amalekite. He is dispersed among the people, but he's basically saying, hey, we've all assimilated to Persian culture. We've all become Persian one way or another, right? We, we dress like you. We worship the same gods. We do all the same things as you. We speak the language now. But there's this one people group. They're not like all of the rest of us that you've conquered, They refuse to fully assimilate into Persian culture. They refuse to do all of the things that everyone else does. And if you let them keep going like this, they're going to destroy your kingdom. And again, remember that Haman is now, and and from this point on, we're going to find that Haman is going to be fully in charge. He's going to be fully in charge Up to this point, maybe mostly in charge, but we get the sense that he knows he can do this, but he still needs to go to the king for approval. So Haman is essentially running the country, and King Ahasuerus Xerxes is the figurehead king at this point, still fully in charge, but he's basically handed everything over to Haman, or almost everything at this point. And so Haman comes to him and says, I just need to get your approval for this. And so he paints all of this in such a way where the king is going to be like, well, yeah, we can't have these people leading rebellious lives. You know, everyone is going to rebel against us. Remember, I mean, that's the justification that they use for deposing Queen Vashti, is if you allow Vashti to do this, if you allow Vashti to have this kind of leeway to tell you no, then, oh my gosh, every woman around the country is going to throw off all restraint and it's going to be pandemonium and chaos and you have to get rid of Vashti, right? So he's already made that decision. That's still in the king's mind from a decade earlier. And so, or nine years earlier, I guess. And so he comes to the king with this almost very same thing, right? He's like, there's these people that are doing essentially what Vashti did. And if you let this go on, then it's going to destroy everything in your kingdom, but it's not just one person. He doesn't bring up Mordecai. He doesn't bring up the one person that's causing him trouble. He says, this is all of them. He paints them with this broad brush. This is not true. It's absolutely not. Well, I mean, in some ways it's true, but not the ways that Haman is, is making it out here as we're going to see. He's, Haman's basically painting them as all treasonous and traitors against the throne of Persia. And We're going to see that Mordecai doesn't have a problem serving the throne of Persia. Daniel didn't have a problem serving the throne of Persia. It wasn't, it wasn't an issue for them. So, so yes, they're separate. Yes, they're different. But the way that Haman is saying they're different is not true. Absolutely not true. And again, as we see in this book, time will, will tell, it, it will play out where we see that this is an absolute lie, but he's, he's putting this forward to Xerxes, to Ahasuerus in a way where he's not going to say no. He's not fully engaged in this process. He doesn't even, we're going to find out, he doesn't even really know what Haman, what law Haman's going to write. He just tells him, you know, you do what you think is best, Haman. Continuing on <clears throat> verse 10. So the king took his signet ring from his finger and gave it to Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. Keep the money, the king said to Haman, and do with the people as you please. So several big things happen right there. Again, before this point, Haman is either <clears throat> already totally in charge or at least mostly in charge. But at this point, at this moment, <clears throat> the king takes his signet ring off, Right? Haman has his own signet ring at this point. And anytime he seals something, either on behalf of the king or whatever, it's got Haman's signet ring, right? Meaning someone could look at it and be like, well, I actually need King Xerxes' seal. I need the king's signature on this for it to be official. And so Xerxes or Ahasuerus says, you know what, Haman? I trust you. I give you my signal ring and he gives it to him, right? This isn't just for this one law. He's giving it to him as we're going to find out because months are going to go by and Haman's still going to have it. So this is the moment when the king decides, I trust Haman. Maybe the way that he laid this all out for the king makes him feel like Haman is the most trustworthy person I have in the kingdom Heyman, I give this to you. You are in charge. I'm stepping out of this. Just don't screw up the country too bad. And you can keep my signet ring. Anything you want to do. You don't even have to get my approval anymore. He's like, do what you're asking. <clears throat> Heyman had said, I will pay for the military to go around and kill all of these people and take care of them. I will, I will put into the government coffers the amount of money it's going to take to execute this plan. And the king says, you know what, Haman, I trust you. Keep your own money. Use the money from the government coffers. Here's my signet ring. Just do what you feel is best. And he steps away. He doesn't even know what law, what rule that Haman is going to write on his own behalf. He doesn't care. That is how disassociated with ruling that, King Ahasuerus, King Xerxes, is going to make himself at this point. Now, I think there might be some reasons for that. We know about where the the timeline of the book of Esther falls. Most people think that this is falling, um, that the book of Esther, part of it at least, takes place, or at least Esther is still queen when one of the most, most famous battles in all of human history happens, the Battle of Thermopylae in Greece. We know that it's this king. If this is the Xerxes that we think it is, <coughs> excuse me, then at some point during his reign, he is going to go to Greece with this ridiculously massive one million person army to try and defeat them, and he's defeated by a handful of people at the at the pass of Thermopylae and sent back. And at the, the straits of Thermopylae, he's he's going to lose one of the most famous battles in all of human history, and then kind of come back with his tail tucked between his legs back to Persia. And so it would make sense that after losing this battle and just wanting to retreat back to Persia and just enjoy your wealth that you say, you know what, Haman, uh, here have this signet ring. You're in charge. I don't want to mess with it anymore. I just want to be rich and enjoy life. You do the ruling part. You take the credit part. I don't care about this anymore. If that's actually the 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 history of what's going on here, this could make perfect sense why he would want to bow out of the day-to-day or not even the day-to-day but even the big ticket decisions like this could totally make sense. Now again, that's that's conjecture. We don't know exactly when all of these events are falling, but time has passed here. Almost a decade has gone by and it's it's well within reason that that most famous battle, which again, it happens sometime during the course of, of Esther's lifetime. Maybe not the book of Esther, but definitely the, the lifetime of Esther. <clears throat> that battle happens sometime uh, during that period. Maybe it just happened and the king's like, I'm checking out. I am completely checking out. We'll keep uh, looking into this tomorrow, but for today, that's all we've got. For the 10-Week Bible Study, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.